Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I just All have right, to jump waiting. off. All right, no problem, bro. Thank All you guys right, uh, for hope, coming to the Tactical open. Sovereignty Matrixic Discussion Group call this evening. Uh, let me just start the recording up. And uh, uh, we're just chit-chatting, so we're just going to continue with that. Um, Keith and I were talking about people that we meet and things like that and what to watch out for and different stuff like that. So just pick up where you were at, Keith. Well, I was talking about uh, we got in a discussion about meeting people and some of them being good and some of them being bad. And this is uh, um, just like anything else, you know, that I that I talk about with the uh, codes and everything. It's uniform. It's just it's just normal everyday occurrences that you're going to run into people that are going to be good for you. You're going to run into people that are bad for you. And it's, that's why it's very important to listen to the communication that's going on between you. And this is particularly important in products that we're buying in interactions that we're having with the commercial realm. And I happened to, uh, um, had to get a new laptop and, in my paperwork, I'm reading the, the documentation, and we're talking about the uh, warranties and stuff. And I've got this uh, paper here, and it says, important notice, and part of this important notice. Now listen to the very specific wording of this very first sentence. For the avoidance of doubt to the extent that Dell is deemed under applicable law to have accepted an offer by you. Now, first of all, I want to be very clear. The word you is plural. It means yourself and your person. This is a prerequisite in commercial activities whereby we make transfers. In regards to Dell itself, however, they have offered a product to the general public. And this is the part that they're avoiding the doubt. For the avoidance of doubt, to the extent that Dell is deemed under, under applicable law to have accepted an offer by you. They're correcting what, a, what is known as a presumption in the commercial realm. Because it's presumed that if they place an advertisement that they are the ones that are actually making the offer. And in the correct sense, that is true. In the order of things, if they make a product, their intent is to offer it for sale. Pure and simple. So if we buy these, these uh, products and we want to rebut that, the very specific part after this says, Dell hereby objects to and rejects all additional or inconsistent terms that may be contained in any purchase order or other documentation submitted by you in connection with your order. And Dell hereby conditions its acceptance 
on your assent that the foregoing terms and conditions shall exclusively control. Now, if you're the one that's making the offer, remember something. It's a very important thing about offer and acceptance in contract law. He who offers, once it's accepted, it no longer controls. The one who accepts right. is the one that controls. And this is what Dell is doing. They are saying they are the controlling factor. And that is by paramount authority or paramount placement of order. Wrong. And what they're doing here is saying that um, they're going to control all issues regardless. So if I plug this thing in and turn it on, I've accepted that. I am the one that made the offer. If I don't, if I, if I don't think I have made an offer, then I merely need to close it up, send it back unused and say, I want my money back. I did not know I was making an offer based upon your advertisement offering a certain price for this product. And they're not going to, yeah. they're not going to accept any other terms and conditions. And it says so right here. Yeah, that, that's my question, Keith. When you said an offer by you, I'm like, wait a minute. How are they claiming that you're making an offer? Exactly. You're not, you're not making See, an offer. That, you're, you're only accepting their offer to sell a product. Right. And that's, that's why I say it's very important when we're, when we're doing this stuff. We read this wording. We, under, we comprehend the wording and how it's constructed. Yeah, they're, they're completely turning the tables around. Right. It's a violation of contract law to make an offer and then call it a, a, a uh, uh, an acceptance when somebody else um, per makes the purchase. That's inherently yeah, wrong. Only, it's 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 a yeah, it's a it's a false order. The only thing they're accepting is your payment. Yeah. <laughs> or your offer. But, that's why I say it's very important to read this stuff and, and comprehend what we're getting into, because um, I haven't plugged this thing in and turned it on yet. I'm still debating. Now that I know the wording, um, I'm not sure if I want to do business with Dell. I mean, they put it put a nice computer out and everything, but uh, you know, if I have any problems with this in the future, which I have never had any problems with Dell computers before, but at the same time, knowing what I know now, I know the predicament that I'm in if I turn this thing on. Well, I've got a question for you. Um, was that uh, contract or formal contract they sent you, was there a place for you to uh, endorse it? Um, no, this is this is just a blanket warranty that they send on a, a little half sheet of paper that's folded up in, in certain sections so that it's got like eight different languages on it. So it's a very right. small warranty section like normal. And it's very explicit, though. And, well, you know, based on uh, that, well, their, their intent is to violate commercial law. Well, here's the thing. Why don't you, instead of uh, accepting a unilateral contract, turn it into a bilateral contract and go and make your amendments to it uh, with an attached exhibit as to uh, the reasons for it and the changes for the lines you cross out and just return that back to them and... Use, I would say use the administrative process on them because it's probably going to end up in the hands of somebody who's clueless, which means it'll end up in the garbage. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, 
which you'll have a copy of it, and then you can just, you know, and and give them, you know, 30 days to respond. I mean, I, I look at everything see, locally for, like, administrative processes and stuff, even shit like normally we get from the court or whatever. Someday, sometimes, like, say if somebody's being evicted, they'll get uh, three days to remedy the situation uh, or or quit or move out. Um, and sometimes you get 10 days. Um, internationally, it's 30 days. And so I look at everything as being international because I prefer to use international law with all things because you don't know what things are being limited to municipal law or whatever, or the state law, or what's really being looked at is international. And in general, it's all really international. So I just give them the grace of the 30 days being kind under international law, and they don't respond back and send them a second notice of um, uh, default with opportunity to cure. You know, I don't know if your dog ate it or what, you know what I mean? And when they don't respond to that, you just send them the uh, final notice of default, you know, and thank you for accepting my amendment to the contract. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And, you know, and when you've got, like, you know, the green card signed return receipt mail back from them showing that they had received it, if anything happens and you even took it to small claims or something like that, their hands would be tied because you, you exhausted legal remedy in the situation and you've got evidence of your contact with them and their lack of response. And so they wouldn't have anything to stand on. Right. Because what happens there is um, when you do your administrative process, what you're doing is coming to a judgment. And people think that that guy sitting on the bench is the one that makes the judgments. No, no, no. You have to go in. When we when we talk about these courts, they don't have personal and subject matter jurisdiction. And so you have to clarify that not by questioning jurisdiction, as they say, you know, your you, you, jurisdiction can be questioned at a time. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to point out the truth of it right from the beginning, as I'm supposed to, because those questioning the jurisdiction must bring proof. So that no one avoids the question, period, just by bringing proof of the, the uh, personal and subject matter jurisdiction to the table. Now that I've proven personal and subject matter jurisdiction through a declaratory statement, in other words, declaring that I'm a foreign entity and it is by my judgment that you do not have personal and subject matter jurisdiction. And here's the proof. And it's the same thing in this administrative process when we're dealing with these people. We have to bring our judgment, by, like Brian said, um, making, changing the terms and conditions on the contract, sending them notice. And when they acquiesce, that in, its, in and of itself is the next judgment. See, these guys made a judgment to print this stuff up on this paper. And if I go through and amend it to my terms, and send it back, and they don't accept, as they said, I'm making an offer. I'm making an offer to change the terms and conditions that they originally say they offered by by bringing, by taking it into the reality of their commercial realm that says, no, you made an offer by advertising. I would not have bought your computer if it was not on the market advertised. Therefore, you're the one offering it for sale to the general public. And as one of the general public, I accepted your offer 
by sending you money. I didn't send you money as an offer to pick out a machine that you wanted to send me. I picked out a machine and sent you money based upon the offer I saw in your advertisement. So let's correct the language. And if you, if you acquiesce here, then you're admitting that you're trying to commit fraud, period. Because as you know, I said, second, it's a law. They, they have made an offer. You know, you know, I was just thinking today, Keith, um, I, I went and grabbed that, that hat that says liability on it that I showed you the picture of. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I was thinking, I need to change the template of that. And at the underneath the word liability running up to the um, scales of justice, I need to add uh, two words there. I need to add in smaller print, like put uh, public notice right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, any, anywhere you go, you, you, you've given public notice, hey, I'm a potential liability, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this, and, 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 you know, that's why it's so important um, when we, when we deal with this stuff, I, I have a hard time explaining to people about the root words and they continuously go on. I've been on this um, route for about four years and just like you, Brian, um, Curtis Kallenbach was one of the first guys I ran into in this and I watched his videos and stuff and he was explaining to me um, or as he explains to everybody in the, in that video I watched the, the uh, differences between being birthed and being born. Um, the naval canal as according as opposed to um a naval commission you know and that's what they're doing when they do these birth records they're they're put they're entering a naval commission these these hospitals are military venues and they're inland on dry dock um areas and dry dock jurisdictions and they have to be able to bring the admiralty law to those um landlocked states in areas for that naval protection. Now, the 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 uh, the military branch is seen through the uh, way they word their um, institutions and, and everything. It's a ward. What kind? Of, it's a baby ward, an infant ward. Well, what's an infant? Well, that would be somebody that's being prepared for the infantry. <laughs> And, and when you start putting this stuff together and, and realizing the root words and where they come from, um, you, you realize that bond, the, all these things, all these, all this talk about bond in court. Do you realize that bond comes from the word bund? And we see the word bund in the in the term abundance, as in prosperity and abundance. And when we talk about that prosperity and abundance in in, in regards to Genesis 1, 26 through 20, or 25 through Genesis 2, 25, that pure trust, we, we're supposed to live in prosperity and abundance. Prosperity in that um, the, everything we have is freely given so we can give freely. And the abundance is as long as we follow his way, as long as we are bound to his word and follow his word, we shall have that prosperity. But once we start switching those terms and words and getting confused and, and um, bifurcating the path of languages, 
That's that Babel. It's when we start getting into Babel. And the English language is nothing but Babel. So we really have to get down to the root words of um, everything that we deal with. Everything. And it's a big task. And uh, it's, it's, again, why it's very important to uh, determine the, the, the liabilities that you're going to get into when you start communicating <clears throat> with various different people. You have to be aware of how they're communicating with you. And the only way you can yeah. do that is not necessarily just by being aware of the root words, but being aware of how they act, how they behave. You know, and behave is another one. Remember, persons act in a performance. Men behave. It's not behave. It's behave. If you behave, then you accept already what is freely given so that you can freely give because you already have. You are living in a constant present state of being and having. You are be having according to prosperity and abundance. And that's simple. For, for me, that's simple. Once you start break it, breaking it down and you realize that the, the phoneme, as it's been graphemed, has been morphemed. Those are, those are three very specific things about root words. The phoneme, how it sounds phonetically. The grapheme, how it's written. And the morphemes that, that which it has been morphed into. Such as vessel. Vessel is a ship on a body of water. A vassal is that which travels upon the land. A vessel travels on water. A vassal travels on land. V-E-S-S-E-L as opposed to V-A-S-S-A-L. And these are very important things to look up to help you um, realize the simplicity of what's going on so that you can correct it yourself. You don't need an English major to correct it for you. You need to educate yourself so you can walk into these courts and, and correct it on the spot without documentation. It's a very important aspect of learning and educating yourself is that you know it. Not that you, you have to refer to it in another piece of paper, let me look that up, but that you know it in your heart. And that's where the trueness of the word comes in, 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 its, in, in its most valuable aspect is in knowing. And that's the wisdom of knowing how it's used. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, I mean, even a lot of the words, um, or I should really say terms, is, is, you know, one of the things that one of the hurdles I got over, um, because I think a lot of people start out hearing a lot of the Patriot mumbo-jumbo stuff and everything that people have been trying to do for 30, 40 years, and they either end up dying in prison or on the side of the road. But one of the things that I came across, you know, with them was, you know, the, the argument of, oh, they secretly change the definitions of all these words behind your back and stuff. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I and what what's really happened is they've done what attorneys do best, and attorneys reclassify things. And so what they did is yep. they reclassified that word from just being a common word and they reclassified it 
as a term or a term of art on one of their tools that they use in their trade. Just like, you know, a carpenter uses a hammer, you know, it's the same thing. Those words, they reclassify it as a term and that term becomes one of their tools. And since it's one of their tools of their trade, they can use that and define it however they want because it's now been reclassified. Um, Trey Bean just mentioned something today to me about something, and it was along the same lines, and it kind of reminded me of um, how they use the word lost. Like, you'll try and get a hold of them to you know, get a document or MSO or something and, oh, uh, it's been lost. We lost it. Well, lost, it doesn't mean what it means to us. Like they can't find it. They misplaced it. Um, it means it was given up to another entity, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, somebody would say, you know, oh, they lost their house in a mortgage. What do you mean you lost? Yeah. It, there's a perfect example right there. Oh, they didn't lose yeah, it. You gave it up to somebody it. else. <laughs> it was given up to somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. And so that, that's yeah, that sounds um... to realize. And you, you well, mentioned the word ward. You mentioned the word ward earlier, and it made me think of uh, the Stuarts, who was a ruling class. It was a kingship uh, that ended up getting vanquished to Scotland from England. Because right. they didn't like the way the stewards were acting because the stewards were acting exactly what their name says. They were taking care of the wards. They were yep. taking care of the subjects. And that's why when they came over here to establish another company, uh, the Virginia Trading Company here in America, instead of using that word subject, you're like, yeah, that's kind of harsh. Let's go with citizen. Which, you know, Supreme Court has ruled that's synonymous with subject. It's the same thing. Subject says it doesn't matter, you know. So, just, again, a reclassification. Yeah, well, and not only that, but you got to look at the other aspect of things, too. I can take several words and show you the importance of realizing that they're all the same word. Time. Order. Posit. Those are all the same thing. Posit is yep. a placement. An order is placement in a sequence. Time is a placement in a timeline. They're all placements. They're all positions. What is your position? When you go to court and you go to this disposition hearing, what are they really doing? When you go to court and you or you get charged and, and the investigator says, well, we've got to do depositions first. What are depositions? They're depositions. They're depositions. They're moving shit. Move some things around, and all you got to do is put them back in order. You have to place your judgment in order, and that's it. You know, you know what, Keith? That's one of the things that dawned on me um, in court in, in moving down to Southern Florida, and because I grew up in Northern Michigan, and Northern Michigan, it's not racially diverse. You know what I mean? In fact, it, it in Northern Michigan. The, when I was growing up, there wasn't even any, you know, black people there or um, natural Americans, as I prefer to call them, because I don't really think that. Uh, well, anyway, coming down here and 
first time I was in court for something minor, trafficked or something like that, um, one of the things that I kept hearing the judge or the prosecutor ask the defendant was, are they going to need a translator? And all of a sudden I thought, oh my God, they're not yep. just talking about you speak Spanish instead of English, but there's actually another language going on here in the court, and they should be asking everybody of that. Yep. Do you need a translator? No, thanks. I've got my counsel right here. Um, we can translate the word of a book just fine. You know, you know the etymology of the word book? Bible. When they say, throw yep. the book at him? No, thanks. I've already got my copy. <laughs> so what else well yeah um for the banner for tonight's call i actually posted uh, the photo i had made uh showing compliance and it was an arrow pointing to the right and an arrow pointing to the left and on the left was some young jewish kids back in what the 40s <clears throat> wearing their gold star and um it seems like it this has been popping up uh the past eight months or so i've seen it pop up two or three times but now it's been popping up a little bit more of uh, people saying oh my god you know about the real id act and i'm thinking yeah i figured this out several years ago because this actually was instituted by congress 12 years ago Right, and um, a lot of people are saying, "Oh well, it, it kind of sat dormant until Trump came along." Trump's not your friend, which I'm not a pro-Trump guy. I'm not a pro-anybody guy, but people are going, "Oh yeah, Trump's not your friend because it kind of sat dormant, and now he's pushed it right along as soon as he got in." Well, what he did after he got in, he made modifications to the act to simplify it and make it easier on various people in fact um he made it simpler for people that lived in places called um uh, what was it freely chosen states or something like that and those states were like the mariana islands some of the, those territories and things like that and i thought that wording was very interesting but um yeah so yeah he basically just simplified things the date for implementation was still always the same. Um, so October October first, twenty twenty or whatever. But and let me remind everybody, um, I've got all of my all the lines unmuted. So if there's any background noise or whatever, I might have to mute somebody out. And if I do, sorry about that. If you have a question or whatever, just pop it in the chat and I'll unmute you. Uh, but anyway, um Right now, because I've, I've had a few people I've seen saying, well, we don't have it in our state. And I'm going, yeah, you probably do. You just don't realize it. And because there's only uh, two states right now that do not have it. And, and one is Oklahoma and the other one is Oregon. Oklahoma, uh, and what they've done, they've signed waivers or um, for like a delay on it. Well, their delay doesn't move it past the date of October 1st, 2020. It's just, some, it's just kind of a buffer for right now. Uh, for instance, Oklahoma isn't is until 
isn't up until September uh, 18th okay, of this year. Uh, Oregon's isn't up until August 7th of this year. So, yeah, those waivers doesn't push them past the Oklahoma or the uh, October 1st date. It's, I don't know, just something stupid they put in. Maybe so they could do an extension later on is probably the case. Uh, and the third state would be New Jersey. And New Jersey has pretty much already done everything that they're supposed to do as far as they know. And right now it's just under review for verification by the federal government that, you know, it's all done and everything like that. Uh, somebody said something to me today or yesterday to the effect of, well, Brian, well, how are you handling this big change? The thing is people don't realize is that this Real ID Act isn't putting an extra onus or an extra burden on the people. It's actually putting a burden on the state for the state right. to show evidence to the federal government that, yeah, we do know who's in our state. That's all right. it really is. And to me, it's just two things were really interesting. One is they brought back that gold star thing again. And the other thing that I find very, very telling, and people should pay attention to this, whenever they see different things going on, look and see who's behind it. Because the agency that's really behind this and that is behind the enforcement of this isn't uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles or the AAMHA, which is the head private association for the DMV. No, the people that are really behind this and um, responsible for not just the implementation, but enforcement of it is, guess who? Drum roll. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. DHS, Department of Homeland Security. Yep. Um, which, you know, there was a, uh, where was the first Department of Homeland Security instituted at? Oh, I, I think Hitler did that, didn't he? the first Department of Homeland Security. But I think so. Anyway, think so. yep, they're the ones responsible for that. And I was listening to an interesting interview the other day. And it was from a woman who worked for DHS. And she had some serious issues while she was with them and when she left. I won't get into that here. But she wanted to find her remedy against what was happening to her. And it was a struggle trying to figure out what to do because it wasn't just like, hey, you know, Bob ran into my car and so I'm going to sue him. Okay. Wasn't that simple. Um, she finally found out that in order for her to go after DHS, <coughs> she had to go through the EEOC, which is the, the Equal Employment Opportunity. She had to go through that commission, the equal opportunity. And it's like, who in the world would have ever thought? But that's just a layer that they've put in place for a layer of protection <laughs> against DHS. And well, so I'm starting to wonder, that this is making things kind of click in my head. I'm wondering if some of these other private organizations, say like, DCF or, you know, children and families and things like that, if they don't have layers of protection put in place just like that as well. And, hey, those also might be um, 
the equal employment opportunity uh, commission as well. Who knows? I just found that really curious. Well, one thing I want people to realize here, when we're talking about security in any sense that they use it in this, this corporate or uh, political body that they're running, um, it ties directly to the Securities Exchange Commission and the Social Security Administration. All of your state or corporate IDs of any sort, whether it be McDonald's all the way up to government federal officials, has to deal with a security instrument, the instrumentality of a security. And when we're talking about homeland security, we're talking about the, uh, um, the uh, preamble to the uh, Constitution, welfare and Keith, protect Keith, here, all of that. Here's, here's one, Keith, here's one of the things. This is what gets me is that when the general public hears that word security, like the Department of Homeland Security, your average Joe Sixpack or whoever on the street, when they hear that, they equate that word security with the word safety. And they don't realize yeah. that it has nothing to do with that whatsoever, which is what you're pointing out right now. Go ahead. Right. And and it goes right back to um, that that naval military ward thing in that everything is done by that numerical number, that numerical identification of the person, the original person that they created. And that's through the Social Security Administration. When you turn 18, age of majority, you're now able to contract and therefore you're filling out an application, which is in fact a contract. And in that contract, it's just like the, the, the wording that I read about the Dell computer. They're, they're making it seem as if though you made the offer and they're accepting. And so all these identifications, you know, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our sisters in the fight here, Malika Dulce, She's got the uh, world passport, and she just recently had a uh, interaction with uh, uh, TSA, Transportation Security Administration. <laughs> There's that damn security word again. They're, they're trying to make everybody seem like it's a safety issue, and it's not. It's a matter of a numerical identification. And when she didn't present them with a numerical identifier, they said, sorry, we can't. That's not part of our thing. That's right. It's not. It's above and beyond yours. So go ahead and try to subject me to your BS codes all you want. But what you're doing is a violation of international law, period. The form of identification from a foreign entity, which is in their, their own wording. Foreign entity. That's all it takes. You have a foreign entity saying that is who you are. They have to accept it. Come by two or three witnesses. They're saying, well, sorry, they're not our witnesses, so that doesn't count. Bullshit. What they're trying to do is get you to can, uh, um, to uh, um, subject yourself to that numerical identification, and you don't have to. Though there's a numerical identifier for the world passport, it's only for their internal records, for the ability to um, provide that witness, and that's it. It's not as a juristic person in the sense of a uh, commercial contract, but in the juristic sense of uh, the Bible. He is a respecter of no persons. This is the identification form 
without any numerical identifier attached to the to the man but to a file and that's it right well, and you Did know you guys, and you, you you're talking about really looking at words picking them apart and knowing what they're really about what they really mean and <clears throat> for people that haven't listened to us much or followed a lot of the information from us or whatever that some of this can be very confusing and so I, that, let me try and break this apart just a little bit here if you look at that word I, identity okay take that word identity and break it apart you've got id and then you've got entity which is yep. basically identification of an entity and who is that entity people need to realize some basics to natural law which is that what do you have control over you only have control over the things that one either you create or two the things that bow down to you that's it and so in this yep. situation it is they made it easy because they said well we're gonna be able to get everybody to bow down to us uh, now and it might be a little more difficult although they've succeeded in doing that as well but and so we'll just nip it in the bud and what we'll do is we will be the creator oh my god okay. they place their butt on the seat of the most high in the trust position which is the, what they want to do and isn't that what the adversary said he was going to do he's become like god well that's exactly what the system has done it placed its butt on the seat of the most holy and made itself the creator and so what did it do it created that artificial entity that juridic person that you referred to and they get everybody to identify as that juridic person rather than the natural man or woman <clears throat> yeah um one of the things i i wanted to uh um explain to people about that birth certificate that i haven't mentioned yet well i think i have but it was a while ago but i i need to import and i'm using that word very very uh, um, specifically, I need to import the, the the paramount aspect of the birth certificate in that when I was born, and I no longer have a copy of it, but when I was born, it said specifically on there, um, as a matter of national importance. And the word national was not capitalized. And we have to comprehend the word importance. What are we talking about when we talk about importance? Well, in this sense, we're talking about the import of a juristic person that technically should belong to you because you have the right to create a juristic person in your name. Nobody else has that right. If I went around, went around advertising myself as doing business as Brian Parker, Brian Parker might get upset about it. Now, Brian Parker might not get upset about it, but another Brian Parker might. And yet another Brian Parker might get even more upset about it. And so we, we see a problem with the importance of nat the, the national importance. And so when we talk about this world passport, that's what it is. It's a, ma it's a matter of national importance again. Because now you're importing your the juristic person into the international realm, whereas the importance of the national person is the national. 
Okay, it's got a boundary. It's got a boundary called the United States. And it's very, very important as well to recognize the fact that when we do this authentication on the birth certificate, we need to pay the import tax to import it back to ourselves because it was originally a matter of national importance. And therefore it has been imported into the United States and now it needs to be exported back to our port, import back to us, showing hey, the, the paramount domain, the eminent domain. Yeah. Hey, Keith, you know, there's something I've, I've noticed over and over through looking through different things and stuff. And oh, I was going to mention earlier, you're talking about corporations and stuff. Yeah, the other day I was going through, just looking through some anonymous documentation and stuff from the U.S. regarding corporations, and they were using that word birth in relation to companies. And I was like, oh, there you go, right there. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with the man or woman. You know what I mean? But um, <clears throat> here a while ago, gosh, it was three or four years ago probably, I remember uh, Boris's buddy, which I think might have passed away. He was in the Pacific Northwest. He was going into the Secretary of State to do something with uh, his authenticated certificate of live birth. And they're asking what it was in relation to. And they were, you know, acting kind of like they always act with everybody. You know, it's kind of a little odd and stuff. But when he mentioned that he had a deal with a national treasure, when you were just bringing that up, it reminded me of that. When he brought up the word national treasure, everything freaking did a tailspin. Because I think he was doing something with um, a passport or something. And, yeah, when he mentioned national treasure, but the whole freaking situation took a total change. Oh, I'm sure. They're, really... they're, they're very yeah. in tune. The, the higher-ups, the... the uh... The ones that are actually uh, running the cogs in these wheels, they know the words. They know the importance of them. They know how to use them. And that's why it's very easy for them to see us when we come into these courts acting all belligerent and stuff because we don't know the words. And again, I, I stress the importance of uh, knowing those words. And it was key in my last trial when he looked at me and said, do you understand English? And I looked at him with this burning boil in my eyes and I said yes and little did I know how little I really did understand English because now that I understand it um, in a much greater aspect I'm able to tear it down and next time uh, anybody were to ask me something like that I'd say well to be honest I don't know but I don't fully understand it but I'm getting better and uh, I assure you that it's just a matter of correcting a record and the English words being babble. We need to get back to the roots so we can get down to a one-to-one -one communication and find out exactly the identification of this juristic person and all other other parties in this uh, in these matters, so we can find out if it is a if there is a workable solution within this administrative process, or if I have to create one myself. Well, legally, in their legal realm, we are technically and should be an idiot. We are an idiot to whatever right, language the common it is. Man. 
Yeah, or it actually comes down to society. Because when they talk about taking care of a society and protecting society and things like that, uh, the society they're talking about is their legal society. And technically, we're yeah. not a member of it. We don't comprehend it. And so, legally, we are an idiot. Right. And should be proud to be so. <clears throat> I mean, there was a story I heard a while ago, and I think it was repeated by uh, Maximus a couple months ago as well, is that a guy had a traffic situation, and he got kind of the same question you did, Keith, you know, do you understand English? And, and the guy was like, no, I'm an idiot. And the mm -hmm, yep. judge questioned him a couple more times to see what direction he was saying that from, and when he realized what he was saying, the judge said, okay, get out of my courtroom. <laughs> and he looked at the courtroom <laughs> yep. and said, are, are there any more idiots in here? And he <laughs> they all should have raised their hands. They all should have, but guess what? Nobody did, because they're all thinking of the common man's definition of idiot, you know? No, nobody yep. wanted to raise their hand. Well, guess what? They were idiots. They all should have raised their hand. <laughs> yep. Are you ignorant? Yep. <laughs> I am. I'm an ignorant idiot. I'm a, I, I, want, I have a want for knowledge because I'm just a common man. I, I have right. no knowledge of these proceedings, and I wish I did, though. Well, and <laughs> most importantly, what it really comes and this is what it really comes down to. And this is why I really admonish people to try and read the book, Law of Nations. I know it's 670 pages long. Um, if you're not going to read it, at least read the preliminaries. It's just a few pages in the beginning. The preliminaries of the Law of Nations. It's easy to find online. And yep. you start seeing that everything has to deal with relationships. And in the situation with being an idiot, which he was meaning, I am not a member of your society. Well, guess what? If you're not a member of that society, then another society cannot judge you. And, right. you know, all those people sit in court. If you just saw this guy claim to be an idiot and the judge sent him home... Isn't that what they all wanted at the end of the day? So whether yep. they comprehended it or not, gosh, even being an idiot, you would claim to be an idiot. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. But it, that's what it really comes down to is whether or not you are a member of their society. And that's actually one of the things that I w was looking at and testing as uh, rescinding my application for voters registration even though I would never put one in. I sent in um, a rescission of um, voter's registration, or a rescission of the original application, and because I was just going on this theory. From what yep. I had read, looking at, and people think law nations, or oh, that's bullshit. Uh, let me tell you something. The book is compiled over the hundreds and thousands of years years that nations have been established. It deals with how the relationships between nations work and how their the relationships with their subjects work, and even how the relationships between the subjects work, between the citizens work. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Very, very important book to read. So, yeah, it's all about whether you are part of that society or not. And so that's what I was testing with doing that rescission. And I did the rescission of um, voter status because 
Yeah, I can always tell how far along anybody is in their awakening when it comes to the topic of voting. <laughs> but um, yeah, once I got that, I've done, never once voted, never registered or anything. Well, and I was pretty much the same way. And what happened to me is I happened to be online and I found a site. And so I just explored it. And guess what I found? I found my legal entity. And so that's why I started researching that a little bit more. And I've had a lot of other people say, well, I've never voted. It doesn't matter. You are on the rolls. They assume you are a member of their society. What society? You look through history and every society is built on two pillars. The pillar of the priests, the pillar of the kings. Okay. The pillar of the priests today are those guys in black robes. That's your church. Okay. The pillar of the kings, that's your legislature. Those are the people that you're supposedly voting for. And that society is dependent on those two pillars. It holds the roof up. Take a look at the Social Security card. What do you see on there? Two pillars holding a roof up. <laughs> All right? And so once one is gone, the other one is unstable or can't exist. So when I got rid of the voter's registration, I was taking care of the pillar of the kings, the pillar of the legislatures, okay? And... I called the guy up after the first of the year when I knew it was time that they would be redoing all their records online and stuff. And I said, hey, you know, I sent this in. Just want to make sure you got it. They're like, oh, yeah, we got it. And he looked up on the computer. He says, yep, you're not listed down here. And I said, can I get evidence of that? He said, sure, come on down. So I went down to the office. Um, A girl came up. She told her what I needed. She printed it off the computer. And I've, I've mentioned this before. She took it down to the end of the counter. Had an old 1940s, 1950s style embosser. The, the arm on it had to be two and a half, three feet high. She embossed uh, that document and then she signed it and gave it to me. Well, the next time, because down here is like every month you get a freaking jury summons. How many, there's, how many hundred thousand people, three, four hundred thousand people here in this county? But every month you could get a jury summons. You gotta be kidding me. So I said, you know what? Instead of checking off any boxes on my excuses why, whatever, I'm just gonna take that little green card that they send you and I'm gonna send it, mail it right back with a copy of my letter from the supervisor of elections. I sent it to him and I received a notice back from him basically apologizing, said, We'll never contact you again. And guess what? <laughs> because the courts are the pillar of the priests. And if you're not yeah. a member of their society, if you've denounced that legal society, you're, you're not a part of it. And yeah. I, I, I called every judge year. people within it. Yeah, I've called every year for about the last four years now and to double check and know I'm not on the rolls, so. I'm not even going to worry about rescinding it. I will. I will do the follow up on it though, and, and can I get a record of that? And, you know, go down and get that. But um, well, you know, one of my one of the things that I like, I, I like preventative medicine. All right, and so having that done ahead of time takes care of some time in the future or whatever where anything else stupid comes along, 
And it's like, oh, it's already established. You guys have already established on your record that I'm not a member of your society. Right. It's kind of hard to take care of stuff once your foot's in the bear trap. Yep. Well, and, you know, speaking of bear traps, um, I got into a conversation with somebody, and I think I talked to you about this before, about the uh, Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. People, we're going to talk about the grapheme of the of the phoneme being morphine when we look at this second amendment and the right to bear arms and this ties directly to your your uh, thing about the law of nations because it's very important to realize where you come from and so i want people to comprehend very very succinctly here your right to bear arms is not anything about raising a weapon it is about telling people where you are from in your armor, the armor that you wear, it is a direct reference to the clothes that a foreigner sees another foreigner wear that tells him that there's a distinct difference between himself and this guy that he sees off in a distance. And this goes way back to your tribal movements when people were nomadic and they went from different regions and from those different regions, they wore different different items for their clothing and their jewelry to, to uh, um, make the distinctions within their own tribes. But yet there was some kind of theme. And so when this tribe came upon another tribe and their whole tribal theme was different, and you could tell so by the clothing that they wore, that was their right to armorial bearings. The bearing from which they came from of the armor that they wear. It is not about raising weapons, people. It is about getting back to your roots and clarifying that I am not of your juristic person. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. I come from somewhere else. I am a spiritual being that has a vassal that travels this land on its sojourn while I am here. When this body dies, and it passes on its life to other forms of life, I still exist in that life form. My spirituality will pass on to those other things that gain life out of my death. See, death, death as well is not a one time, it is not an instantaneous occurrence. Death is just like life. It's a process. It takes time. And this is why they are so involved in the funeral process and making sure that that body is taken care of the way they want it to and not just in a natural sense. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's uh, just like uh, we had Trey Bean on. Uh, and that's one of the things that she's showing is that everything that they are doing, it's in servicing. Everything is a service. They're offering yes. services. Why? Because they're responsible or feel responsible for preserving it, you know, uh, prolonging the death, if you will. <laughs> yeah. See, this this thing about um, the idiot, you know, you were talking about the idiot. It's all about ego. And we got to get beyond that ego and quit quit being so defensive and and 
um, warrioristic and, and realize that we're supposed to be beings of love and, and peace and, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And once we recognize the armorial bearing that we all have in our pure nakedness, without any clothes, the king is is has, the king wears no clothes. You know, and we've got to we've got to understand that we are the kings with no clothes. When we start subjecting ourselves even to the clothes that we wear, and in needing to have some kind of um, a logo from Nike or or Adidas or something like that and classifying ourselves above and beyond the ordinary man, then we are truly ourselves our own downfall. And so if you want to wear those clothes, that's fine, but make sure you know the difference between them and yourself, just like you, you should know the difference between yourself and your person. You oh, are so not your person. Who, whose clothes are you wearing? Are you wearing yours or are you wearing theirs? Yeah. Because if you're wearing theirs and you are accepting full liability and putting them totally in charge instead of, you know, assuming your position. This is something I was thinking about earlier this week. You know, we grow up as children and as, you know, from babies and infants, and we are always used to this bigger being, mom and dad or brother and sister taking care of us and helping us. And, you know, Unfortunately, it seems like people never grow up. We even go into adulthood looking for something bigger than us and even giving power to something that we think is bigger than us to take care of our needs and our wants and our, our protection instead of doing it ourselves. We've not accepted the, the title of self-responsibility. And unless you accept self-responsibility for things, yeah then it's always going to be somebody bigger dictating what you do. That's why I named part of the group, you know, administrating the estate. You've got to learn how to administrate your own affairs instead of expecting somebody else to take care of your shit for you. Yeah, you can't do that. It's, it's a must. And this is why I keep trying to tell people, nobody else can do it for you. My truth is not your truth. Your truth is not my truth. I can help you along the path, but I cannot do it for you. This is something you have to get off your ass. Learn it yourself so that when you go in into any situation, like even buying a Dell laptop, you have to be able to read the language that's on the documentation so you can determine whether you really want to accept the fact of turning this thing on and using it according to their terms. If you, if you don't know, then I suggest you learn. Because it, it's very important. If this if this product um, uh, I decide at some point in time um, is giving me problems and I want to go back and say, well, you're the one that made the offer. They can come back and say, well, you you accepted the the paperwork says you made the offer. I can't go back and correct it then. I have to be able to correct it before there's an issue, before there's a problem. And they're stating right here that before there's any problem, if I want to correct it. I have to send it back unused and make those amendments if they will accept them. And they even tell you right on, they're not going to accept that. They're going to stick to their word that you accepted their, or that you made the offer. And unless you're very wise with the words and can point out to them that they are committing uh, commercial act or performing commercial activities in fraud and can show that by the intent of their words, 
then you're not going to be successful in coming back and, and rectifying this in any any manner. And that's the importance of this, because these people are committing fraud by saying that you're the one making the offer when, in fact, you did not. I didn't place an ad looking for somebody to offer me the best computer for the best price. They advertise their computer and profess that it's the best price for what they're giving you because they're advertising. it. That's the offer. And if you can't clarify that, then then don't be doing this stuff. Learn first. Otherwise, you're living in the cognitive dissonance of your complacent, simple lives of going home and doing nothing for anybody else but yourself. We pay for our father's sins. And this is how we do it. Absolutely. And Keith, I I think maybe just prior to starting the recording, you're bringing up that uh, arbitration situation. And since you're talking about contracts here, uh, this would be probably a great time to address that. Um, Because I've noticed they keep setting the date for that back further and further. And they keep kind of kicking the can down the road on it. And it's probably because they're not getting any recognition, which is, to me, totally understandable why. But and this is why I've said, you know, when people ask, well, what things should I study first in, in learning this stuff? I always say, you need to learn just the basics of contract law and learn the rule of agency. Those two things will benefit you so much because there's people that I've seen that have been like in the truth movement or whatever for 20 some years or whatever. And I can tell within two or three minutes of listening to them, they don't comprehend contract law and they don't comprehend law of agency. Um, right. And yeah, if you, if you understand contract law, contract law is simply offer and acceptance. And in regards to the uh, arbitration thing, that's what contracts are. Contracts are an immediate um, acceptance of arbitration throughout the contract until completion of contract, cancellation of contract, or termination of contract, one or the other. In the meantime, it's all still arbitration. While I'm using this computer, we are in fact in arbitration. It's a contract yeah. established. And until this computer dies and is no longer repairable or no, no longer worth repairable, I am still in contract with Dell. Absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the things with this whole um, arbitration, you are free movement. Well, I don't even know what it's being called now. They, actually change the name of it now I, I think they're calling it now the bill of peace which you can't change a legal document after it's been established it doesn't work that way anyway um, and the thing is is that if you have been existing in this realm for 20 30 40 some of these people 60 70 years I think the one gentleman is 70 some years old that's part of it um, you have, whether there's a written, stated contract, or whether it is just an, a contract through acquiescence, uh, through tacit consent, you've silently accepted whatever all this time, then guess what? 
you're not going to jump straight to arbitration and loss. And here's one of the things. It's just like employment. Okay. Uh, for instance, place I'm employed at, they have an arbitration clause written into employment. Um, if you sign contracts, for instance, say for a mortgage or different things like that, a lot of them will have an arbitration clause in there. Those things are written in there to do what? Well, who wrote the contract? Well, it's to protect whoever wrote the contract. Why? Because they don't want you to take them to court. They want you exactly. to take them to arbitration. And also written into those clauses will normally be um, an arbitrator of their choosing. Well, under the um, Arbitration Act, that's not the way it works. So under the Arbitration Act, the arbitrator has to be somebody that both of you agree to. Correct. Right? Private. And right. Arbitration both is a you private. Agree to. It's a private process. It's basically like private administrative process. Exactly. Yep. Everything is administrative in this uh, system today in the U.S. And I would say, because I have some people contact me from Canada. Well, I'm in Canada. What about us? Any country that's underneath the International Monetary Fund, you're all the same. You might as well just scratch out the name of your country and call yourself the IMF. <laughs> that's pretty yep. much the way it works. Yep. But, but with arbitration... And with this whole you are free arbitration movement thing that people are talking about and asking about, what you need to comprehend is that one, contract needs to exist. Two, there needs to be an arbitration clause in it. Three, under the Arbitration Act, both of you have to agree to the arbitrator. And four, whatever decision the arbitrator makes, both of you need to agree to. If you both don't agree to it, then what do you do? You take it to your court. You don't take it immediately to Congress or Senate or whoever like they're doing. You take it to your court and say, this is what was presented. This was the decision of the arbitrator, and the court gets to rule on it. What you're doing is you're following chain of command. If whatever decision the court makes, either you both agree to it and follow it, or it gets appealed and it goes up to the appellate court. It goes up the chain of command another step higher. You can't go and jump over all those people, run straight to Congress with the decision of an arbitrator <clears throat> that was made that both sides didn't even contribute their own information to in fact, one side just blew them off and said, what are you talking about? Well, we've got nothing to do with you. Yeah. We're, we're dealing with these. One of the people listed was Donald, Donald Trump. The president was listed as one of the defendants or whatever. Oh, wait a second. What does he, what contract do you have with him? You don't have any contract with him. So how can yeah. you take him to arbitration? You can't. Even though he's the head of a company called U.S. Inc. or USA Inc., where's your contract with USA Inc.? Yep. 
<laughs> People well, don't understand that's, that's same with that uh, arbitration thing. You, you, they want you to sign on and say you're you're qualified. Well, you don't you're not qualified until you sign on. And once you sign on, guess what? You just signed a contract. That's why it's arbitration. <laughs> and it, like I always say, be careful what list you put your name on. <laughs> Because they've yeah. got their lists. They've got plenty of lists. So make sure you don't jump to the head of the class on that one. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Well, shit, it's uh, 925. You should open the lines here a little bit, huh? 925, yeah. I, I, you know, I've got the whole board unmuted. If anybody uh, has any input, anything they want to ask, well, feel free to do so. That's what these podcasts were originated to do was so that instead of two or three or a handful of people seeing comments in a chat on social media or whatever, and it only being useful to them, then everybody could get together here. As people complain, oh, there's nobody I can talk to, nobody I can relate to or discuss things with in my life because I, all these sheeple are just so asleep and blind. Well, this is a forum where people can kind of get to know each other and speak the same language. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've got something coming up in half an hour that I was invited to as well that I want to jump to. But um, I would never put something else ahead of our group call because I think this is really important. Um I see a lot of groups on social media and stuff, and some of them, they start out doing a group podcast or group call, and then it becomes spotty, and then it disappears, and uh, the groups kind of disintegrate the same way. I really want something. I really want a group or a place where people that are growing and learning can come together. That's the goal. Yep. Yeah, here's, here's uh, I'm doing this laptop here. It says Microsoft Software License Terms, Windows Operating System. If you live in, in, a very important word, and then in parentheses it says, or if your principal place of business is in the United States, please read the binding arbitration clause and class action waiver in Section 11. It affects how, do, how disputes are resolved. So well, anytime that, there's not the definition, not, isn't that the definition of black law of a resident is really someone who is from uh, Washington, D.C., who is traveling abroad in commerce. Right. Res is the body and ident is the identification. The body identification is a United States citizen means it can only live in the United States and it doesn't live. <laughs> right only people live in the united states and their resident is the person well our definition of live may be in their definition of the term live is something else correct <laughs> so yeah it's a it's a big squirrely mess of words and you really got to learn how to figure them out yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in a lot of people like myself, <clears throat> I pretty much strictly use a Black's Fourth. 
I don't really go too yep. far past that because things get convoluted. In fact, uh, Black Saw Dictionary today isn't even owned by, I think, or written by Brian Gardner anymore. Um, I think it's a totally new entity that has it. And even getting into like 9th, 10th, 11th, um, what I came to find is that they were making up like BS court cases and stuff to use to defend the language that was being put into it. And so, yeah. you know, and it, I think the important thing is whoever uh, creates a document or a law or whatever, you've got to go to them and say, okay, what are you using for your definitions? Are you using uh, Webster's Law Dictionary? Are you using what? What are you using? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you got to know the language they're using because if you don't, then you go in there and you subject yourself. Do you understand English? Yes. <laughs> Sounding like a total dumbass. I didn't mean to be dumbass. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I worked at a place one time where, oh gosh, we had people from all over the world living. People from, we had people working there from, um, Korea. Uh, we had people working there from South America. Uh, we had people from Russia working there. And, but though we were in an English environment. So it was really interesting listening to these people of all different languages try and communicate with each other in English. And yeah, uh, there was really some very hilarious situations that occurred. <laughs> I won't get into it because some some of it is kind of um, sexually crude they, they, that they didn't even realize what they were saying. But yeah, it, it, but that's the same situation, you know. It, that's the same situation, probably the same thing that goes through the minds of a judicial administrator when he's hearing people and trying to defend themselves and things, because they're using one language when there's a total different language and a total different set of principles going on. Question. Sure. Hey, uh, on the world passports, I know uh, that guy came on to Jackie Zoom there about a month and a half ago. And I was listening, but I didn't ever hear him address, maybe he did, whether those are bonded, insured the way a U.S. passport might be. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I'm not sure that they're bonded or insured, but again, we're going back to a recording and accounting on an international level, and that's your come by two or three witnesses. You have somebody else in the international forum that is saying, this is who this is. And in that clarification, it's it's not a juristic person. It's the natural being. And this is clarified through uh, um, Martin Sheen. He has uh, two world passports and two different names. One he uses for his biological name and one he uses for his juristic person. So when he wants to perform commerce, he can use his juristic person. If he wants to um, be, remain private, he goes by his private name, his his, his original biological name. So if you travel to a foreign country, 
aren't you uh, bonded, insured, or indemnifying the United States or the foreign country to a certain extent by carrying the <coughs> U.S. passport, let's say, if you're a United States citizen? And why um, without that? I that's done to the visa. might turn it down, you know. I could yeah, see, that's, see that's what visas are for. Visas. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, you know, that's okay. that's something I thought about quite a while ago, too, <clears throat> because that, that's kind of part of the purpose between, like, the U.S. passport is that the U.S. will be there to defend or indemnify any problems that their citizen should cause. And that's kind of the theory behind it. And so that's something that I've been thinking about for a while now is about going to a local bonding company and even see if you could bond your legal entity yourself. Because we know the same thing, because I've looked quite a while ago when we started down this path, looking at different states when it came to insurance requirements for a vehicle. Well, states also will accept a surety bond as a replacement for vehicle insurance. And so it's like, okay, well, if you can do it with that, why couldn't you just do the same with the legal entity? Right. See, and that's, and that's the importance of knowing that contract law. Because then you can assert your, your entity, um, whether you want to use a state entity through a driver's license or state ID. Um, the United States entity through the federal um, citizen, the United States citizen, which would be the uh, U.S. passport, or whether you want to do it on the international level with your own um, international business corporation as your own um, private juristic person. And that's that's my intent is the El Hotep Second Wipero is going to be my pen name for the international forum. And I'm not going to worry about the uh, driver's license, the U.S. passport. Unless I absolutely have to, in some kind of future contract, need one of them, then I can do it uh, without recourse for a limited time. You know, if I only need the damn thing for six months, then I'm going to make the terms for six six months and not two years or four years or whatever. Because you're not going to hold me to your contract for six years if I only want to use it for six months. And that's again, that's the importance of knowing your contract law and knowing what what your position in is, uh, what the, uh, what your executive position is in that and how you execute your words, your terms, you know, it, your condition. That, that cracks me up. I mean, some of these things are really so basic. Oh, once you start learning it, it's really basic because it starts paralleling to so many things that you see in life, but though it doesn't click for people and I don't realize why it doesn't click for people. Um, I posted something a couple of years ago, <clears throat> and I attribute it to Samuel Clemens. And somebody commented back, they're like, no, that wasn't Samuel Clemens, that was Mark Twain. And it's like, really? I'm, I'm thinking, really? You don't know the difference between Clark Kent and Superman? <laughs> That's funny. Oh my God! The, the same thing is even with, uh, and I've seen this from other people with uh, Muhammad Ali. 
uh, Muhammad Ali, that wasn't his real name. And I've, I've seen stuff, you know, people have shared from him. And his, gosh, I'm trying to think of what his real name was. But, uh, and they've done the same thing with him. And it's like, gosh, people don't realize the difference between entities, even though they grow up watching, you know, cartoons and sitcoms and stuff all their life. I, I don't know. Do they really think that these people they see on TV, that's the real name? No. I mean, and then <laughs> on top of it, they go and even layer it. I mean, I remember several years ago, I was looking up some stuff with the House of Representatives, and I found DBA for Nancy Pelosi. And Nancy Pelosi had a DBA as doing business as House of Representatives. That was her legal DPA, House Representatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's that, important. Well, that goes back to what you've mentioned before, Keith, when, when it says in the Constitution, security in yourself and your persons, plural. Right. Yeah, you you have you have the ability to create as many persons as you need to. You have the right to kill them anytime you want. <laughs> thou shalt well, not murder, but thou can kill your person anytime you want, people. <laughs> that's why I've said it comes down to three things, okay? It comes down to status, standing, and capacity. And when you're talking about the DBA, you're talking about capacity. What capacity are you acting in? Are you acting in the capacity of, you know, Joe Sixpack that sits at, lives at 123 Maple Street? Or are you operating in the capacity of Joe the plumber? Or are you acting in the capacity of Joe the father or husband or the clerk at 7-Eleven? Yeah, know, are you Adam the younger or Adam the older? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, come on. All right. I was going to pop over the chat. I saw a couple things were thrown in there. Anybody had a question or not? He doesn't want to come on vocally. Cassius Clay. Yeah, Cassius Clay. That was Muhammad Ali's uh, actual. Yeah, yeah he changed his name. own name, people. He didn't have to have somebody else change it. He changed it himself. And that's one of the things that we need to realize in this. You know, you, you see all these stars that have pen names and altered names and stuff. See, these guys know some of these secrets. Well, and, you know, I've heard a lot of people ask about, in fact, I think somebody posted something to Tactical Sovereignty a, a day or two ago about, you know, changing the name and getting that done and stuff. And when you research that, it's not really just a matter of it having it air quotes legally done but what name are you known by what do the people around you know you as you don't have to go in and have something on the record necessarily changed although the purpose behind um, the name change is really a, um, a change in who's holding it uh, it's a position situation with that but a name change could just be how are you commonly known? If everybody knows you as Muhammad Ali and not as Cassius Clay, then 
fine. If your name is Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Muhammad Ali's real name, his legal name, might have been Cassius Clay, do you think when he was cut a check for $5 billion for one of the fights and it was written out to Muhammad Ali and he took it into a bank and that clerk saw him and she got all googly-eyed and everything, oh, it's Muhammad Ali in front of me. Did, do you think she questioned that name on there? No, she didn't, because that was the name he's known by. Yeah. And somebody put in there, capacity equals electrical. Yeah. Everything comes down to that. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to include that in article I'm working on right now. But everything, even that word electrical, look at the word electrical. It's L electrical. L. Yeah. Who were we <laughs> created in, in the image of the L Ohim? Uh, what do you go up to the next floor in an L evader? Uh, oh, you go to the polls to do what you think you are electing. You are the electorate. I mean, that word L is all over the place. Let me scope above that because I think there's a couple other things in the chat. Anybody else got anything? Somebody asked in the chat, uh, is that an unincorporated business franchise? U.S. citizen, uh, all caps. Um, prior to your business ship, et cetera, that was guest number two. You know, that's something that I'm always keeping my eye out for, trying to figure out the capacity that they're seeing people in. Um, if you go in and listen to the judge and the attorneys, and a lot of people say, oh, they just lied to you. Well, sorry. You go into judicial television. This was a site made for training clerks of courts, attorneys, judges, people in their legal society, like we talked about. And it wasn't meant for the common man. And the common man actually stumbled across it, wouldn't even want to listen to it. I remember the first time I found out, I was like, oh, this is some boring-ass shit. <clears throat> Until one day, I had a project I was working on that was going to take me an hour or two. And so I just had it playing in the background. And the longer it played, I started hearing things. and going, oh, my God. But there's a lot of clues here. And so this was made for within them. And when they were talking about the legal person or entity, um, these were the people that were working on revised, revised Article 9. And so this was the kind of stuff they did in court. This was their niche. And when they brought up the registration of the legal entity, they referred to it as, oh, yeah, that's the birth certificate. And so, it, or they, they referred to it actually as an organization. And I'm not sure it's exactly an organization. It could be, I would say, a partnership of some sort. Um, although I know uh, LLCs, for instance, are not recognized federally 
are only recognized in the states and state courts. They aren't recognized in federal courts. Um, so yeah, limit, limited, limited liability corporation. Yeah. So um, this organization or whatever it is, it's something along those lines. Um, but yeah, correct. I haven't pinpointed exactly what it is, but number one, it's not a corporation. Let me clarify that. Now. We are not corporations. When you go into court, they don't see you as a corporation. Number one, they do not see you as a corporation. Number two, they don't see you as dead because obviously you are alive standing there in front of them. Okay. They're not idiots. They know you're alive, but you're not a corporation because a corporation needs to have one, a title created with a purpose intended that has to be listed. It has to have its own officers. It has to have its own regular meetings. It needs to have all its own separate documentation. What of that do you have that shows that you are a corporation? Do you have officers? I mean, come on. So, no, you're not a corporation. <clears throat> and besides, a corporation is nothing but something that is created on a piece of paper and sits in a file cabinet. Um, if you are thin enough to be a piece of paper and fit into a file cabinet, okay, maybe you're a corporation. But no, you're not a corporation. What this goes back to law of agency. They see you as someone representing something else, which is, like I said, whether it's their organization or their uh, partnership or whatever it may be, that's what they're seeing you as. And they created that organization. And so is their problem with you? No, their problem with is how you are operating the organization that they created. That's where their problem with you is at. Well, yeah, they, their, their presumption is that everybody's op operating as a corporation. And that's why you get these tickets and everything, because you're expected to be acting as a corporation. And even though you don't know it, that's their whole presumption. And they're going to keep behaving like that in these courts and on that presumption until you correct it. If you don't no, know no. that's what you need to correct. They're not seeing you operating as, an, as a corporation because a corporation doesn't operate. Only its officers do. Okay. One, oh, like yeah. I said, you're, you're, you're not a corporation. They see you as operating an organization, as an agent for the organization that they created, and they don't like the way you're operating it. No, not at all. They, they uh, um, particularly, particularly if you're, you're trying to stay out of their system, um, they want to make sure that you're in that system. So once they get you pulled over and look up your record and see certain things, they're going to, they're going to work on and out work on that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a problem with people like myself. I spent years, I've got a rap sheet an inch thick and it's mostly driving record, you know, driving transportation and all that. And it's until I realized the difference, um, I was dumbfounded. You know, I was just accepting these tickets and everything and and uh, not knowing how to avoid them, even though I knew there was something wrong. 
And now that I know what the th what's wrong, and that is that uh, their presumption is that I'm acting as that officer of a uh, of some kind of corporation. And then through my research, found out it was their corporation they thought I was acting as an officer of. You know, that goes right back to that ward and the infantry, and it's a hospital, and therefore I'm an officer of their their naval um, forces. In, in the interest of the national importance, you know, homeland security, you know, aren't you a faithful American national? Don't you want to protect your, your fellow man? Well, yeah, but I'm not going to do it in a corporate fashion. Thanks anyway. Well, and that's, that's exactly right. And that was actually... When I changed my relationship with the organization or whatever you want to call it that they created, once I changed my relationship with it, my, air quotes again, driving record disappeared. It was totally cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to get that record clean so I, I can let people look me up all they want. <laughs> well, you know... You know what, Keith? You and I need to get together on the phone sometime. People don't realize you and I have never really talked to each other before. This is the only time we ever talk is on our weekly podcast. Uh, but yeah. Oops, I lost you. You there? Shows I'm still on, but we lost you. Lost our host. Oh, it shows I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay, we lost you for a second. Yeah, no, it still shows I'm here. Uh, but, you know, you and I, we've never spoken on the phone or anything. We only talk here, but we'll have to get together sometime and talk. And I'll show and explain to you what I did um, and the results of that with the whole record being erased. And uh, if you could duplicate it, that would be beautiful. That would definitely show some good yeah. evidence. Yeah, especially um, in, in regards to my record, because as I've said, people, I've got uh, 11 citations plus my last court appearance that I signed UCC 1-308 and never showed up. And then my last court appearance, they ordered me to do uh, 60 days in jail. I did 47 and then uh, walked out without signing any, quote, release documents. Um, despite their threat saying that they were going to hold me if I didn't um, in direct violation of the discharge orders. And then, of course, they also ordered me to do a, a drug eval and give a DNA sample, which I've done neither, nor have I paid any fines on those other cases or this one. Um, and so if I get that record clear, it'll show that uh, what I've been saying is true. You know, um, what they what they have on that record is false. And the record is supposed to reflect or reflect correctly the truth. And if it's false, then they have to erase it. Otherwise, they hold liability for slander and libel. Slander is the spoken word against a, good, a man's good character. And libel is the printed word. And they continue to print that in the public forum for other people to look up and see that I'm supposedly some kind of criminal. When, in fact, it's the person that they charged and uh, for commercial reasons only, it says nothing about my character in behaving or behaving as a man, period. Well, that's I've, I've that's got, the correction that needs to be made. I, I've got documentation from the state of Florida that there is 
zero nothing on my record. And uh, like I've, I've said in the past, I'm up to like 18, 19 interactions now with law enforcement. And you know what they do? Uh, pretty much they tell me to have a good evening. <laughs> so That's a good thing. <laughs> and that goes back to what I talk about with preventative medicine, putting stuff in place to protect yep. you ahead of time. Not wait exactly. till you get your foot in the bear trap. Oh, I get calls. I get calls at 7, 30, o'clock in the morning. I, I got to be at court at quarter to nine. What do I do? I'm like, I've seen you in the group for a couple of years now. What do you mean? What do I do? Why, why are you even going to court? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is stuff I was doing before I even learned all this stuff, people. I, I spent three and a half years assigning everything UCC 1-308 and then just not paying attention to it. Now, granted, you're you're not going to have that same situation in every in every uh, um, instance, but in my particular instances, um, I was able to write that and then not show up in court, and then they pulled me over again, and I'll be damned if I didn't do it again. And of course, you know, months later, after you know, obviously um, missing court and not showing up, um, there was no warrant or anything. Why? Because they understand that if you comprehend contract law and are using the without recourse in contract law wording, such as UCC 1-308, they might uh, be hesitant upon furthering their own um, efforts in trying to um, subject you further to what they already um, can get um, in their own mind some kind of figuring that, okay, maybe we've got somebody that knows a little bit more about what he's doing now. And so it's very yeah. important, again, to pay attention to contract law and how it works. Well, Keith, one of the, one of the things that cracks me up is I see people showing these license plates they're making, and they've got non-commercial on there. And then on another part, they've got UCC 1-308. And it's like, wait a minute. If you're non-commercial, why are you using commercial code? Right. <laughs> you know, if you're, not, uh, if you're not part of their society, then don't use their bullshit. God damn it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that... Um, if you're going to use their stuff in those terms, you have to realize that if they do turn around and put a warrant out for your arrest and you started using commercial terms, now you're, now you're talking about offer and acceptance. Okay, I accept your offer upon the condition that uh, I accept the facts in accordance to the person, but not the, cord- not the cause in, in uh, reference to the man. Because the cause is actually the uh, institution of the legislation against the person and not the man. See, everything that their legislation talks about is against the person. Now, in my uh, capacity of traveling that day, I'm willing to accept the offer that I presented a commercial instrument, um, but we have to finalize this contract. So let's get on with the arbitration and let's get that officer on the stand to see what his terms and conditions are. Because if he's not competent to contract in these matters, then obviously he's brought uh, uh, 
a, con a contractual term based upon a superior order. So let's go go back to the bond and see what the bond calls for in regards to performance. Is he was he actually performing in his official capacity um, and trying to forward a contract that was already instituted by the state, or was he trying to initiate a new contract under his own order in the presence of events that day? And this is stuff yeah. that they're going to pay attention to. If you know how to talk the language of the contract law, you know the specific wordings that they're using and say, hey, listen, I don't, I don't comprehend the contract here, but I'm willing to accept the offer if we can clarify certain things. You know, the facts of the matter are in relation to the person. The cause of the matter is in re relation to the legislation that was written down and not, in fact, by myself. Because if I, if I wasn't performing commerce at that specific time, I'm willing to accept the offer of performing commercially since then in regards to these matters as a constructive trust between myself, the state, and the officer pur purveying um, that he has to follow legislated word in contractual form. Well, and that's one of the things too is, uh, you know, that when it comes to traveling, a lot, of the, a lot of people, the big thing is, oh, I'm not in commerce, I'm not in commerce. And I noticed in the chat, I think it says, uh, carry one, two, three, four, put in, we would like to know too. Um, so I think what's being referred to is what I did. And so uh, maybe next week I'll pull out the document that I wrote up and what I sent in, or documents, actually there's basically two. <clears throat> and maybe go over what I did. Because it really comes down to uh, what capacity, like I said, it's status standing capacity. What capacity are you operating in? What hat are you wearing? And people don't realize that the courts automatically see everybody as being a representative of their creation. That's what it really comes down to. And so that's what needs to be clarified. Because you only have power over what you create or what bows down to you. Yep. And that's, and that's important. Um in the aspect of the bible guys um we, we have this thing on the books called the public law 97-280 where it talks about the year of the bible and everything is uniform throughout all jurisdictions so no matter what you do if you get back to the origin of the words like i was talking about earlier your armorial pairing instead of the right to bear arms and present yourself in the true nakedness of the grantor your heavenly creator, and that you are the steward in his house, um, abiding his law and taking advantage or, or, um, or, or living in prosperity and abundance of his word, so long as you follow his word. Um, his word didn't say that you had to dress in with a fig, uh, a fig leaf to cover your, your netherly regions, and he didn't uh, say weave a, a, a uh, a shirt out of uh, uh, various other garment type leaves and stuff to cover you, cover your bosom. It, he didn't say anything like that. Those are all the morphemes of the words that have been symbolized throughout the entire 
uh, history of mankind, all the way from cave paintings all the way to where we're at today. And so we have to really dig, dig deep into ourselves and find out who we are in order to be able to realize the importance of getting back to all of those roots. And again, it's the root words, the root cause, and the root knowledge. So, Well, you know what, Keith? I, I think uh, the Garden of Eden was a great example of um, needing to keep some things private. <laughs> as soon as the adversary came in, you need to start operating in the private. Yeah, it's it's uh, what is it? Matthew eight, uh, Matthew fifteen, verse eighteen through twenty three. If there's a, any kind of controversy, you're supposed to go to your brother in private. And what did we say about arbitration earlier? It's a private process. So instead of these people bringing us to court and us acting like it's a a charge, uh, a criminal charge of some sort, we should be automatically stepping up in the constructive trust phase because that's what they're doing they're creating a they're constructing a trust it's just a different form of contract and what we need to do is step up into that uh, arbitration phase and say okay i i accept the conditions uh, or accept your offer upon the condition of da 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 and that's again, oh, and that's, that's why it's important to understand contract law that's one of the things i use before i really even got into this research is I went back to that scripture in Matthew, just like you said. I had a charge brought against me, and so what I do? <clears throat> was in charge of it. I found out who the prosecutor was, and I went straight to her office and sat down and talked to her, and everything on me was dropped. And I, I have people contact me, and what do I do with this? What? And I asked them, I said, have you gone to the prosecutor? They're like, what do you mean? Well, go to your adversary. That simple. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, everything they bring in courts is an adversarial process. Yeah, well, this whole system is an adversarial process. And if there is no adversary, if there's no argument, then there's no case. So what's the clue? Exactly. The, clue the clue is to extinguish the argument. That simple. What so time when you are we extinguish the argument of the person, say what? I was going to say, what time are we looking at? Say what? What time are we looking um, at? It's right 10 now? o'clock. Oh, okay. Oh, 10 your time, 11 my time. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, it's my time. You're in Florida. You're, you're another hour behind me? Yeah. Or ahead of me. You're ahead of me, aren't you? Yeah, I'm ahead of you an hour. Anyway. Hey, if I may? Yeah, what's up, bro? Uh, while you guys are on it, um, what's your opinion of uh, doing a name change in probate court and just changing the uh, a capital letter name to your properly spelled name and then um, ending up with a name change decree that should help you in a lot of other matters, right? Well, um, we, the we, name change. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead, Keith. <laughs> um, 
the, the, the name change, that is your will. If you go to probate court, what you're doing is um, proving the will. That's what probate stands for, is prove will. And okay. so it's, it's very viable to do it in probate court. But I always suggest doing it in open um, order hour, whereas you're not going to, um, you're just going to go in there with a bunch of other people that are going to be presenting some kind of petition or something to the court. And you're just going to enter your name decree and it's going to go before the judge. He's going to look at it. And 30 days later, you ask him if there were any um, disputes against it. If they're not, then it stands. Place it on the record, please. So, so what, what court are you talking about doing that in? Um, yeah, all your courts should have a general order hour. Because it, what happens right. if, you, if, you try to, if you try to schedule in probate court, they're going to want to charge you. But if you just go into uh, order hour, you just go into order hour and just hand your order to the court. And that's what it is. It's your order. You have nobody else that's going to stand up and contest your name change because there's no one else that's going to be able to claim that name, even if it's their name. You're now changing your name to John Smith. I don't care if there's a million John Smiths sitting in that very forum. None of them can argue it because you're, it's the name you choose. See what I'm saying? When you, when so you go to order like hour. In, that would be in any court, county court, whatever. Yeah, you, you just call them up and ask them when their order hour is. Okay. Well, I was going to add to that as well, because you mentioned a change of spelling. And I hear that over and over again. And in fact, I, I saw a video one time of somebody doing the same thing. And uh, he was requiring the judge to change the spelling on the document. And he turned, the judge turned to the clerk and said, will you change the spelling? And the judge or the clerk shook her head, no. Well, of course not. Because the spelling was totally correct. It's the style that is incorrect. Yeah. And it drives me nuts. I hear people say spelling all the time. No, it's not about the spelling. It's about the style. And okay. the, style is, the style is upper and lower case. Um, now, depending on where you, when you were born, a lot of it changed mostly around 1970. Uh, prior to 1970... Uh, the style of most certificates of live birth were styled in the upper and lower case. It was after that and definitely after the 80s, it all really became a uniform uppercase across the board. To me, it doesn't matter if it's uppercase or lowercase or whatever, uh, because whatever they use is what they use. They don't care about how it's really styled. Um, I showed a document from, gosh, 20, 30 years ago from Social Security Administration in Tactical Sovereignty. <clears throat> I showed it a couple weeks ago. And it showed how they organized all this and that they took, like, the first four letters of the surname, which would be your last name. They took the first four letters of that, combined that with the uh, last four letters of the Social Security number, and... That's how they created the identity. So it doesn't matter how your first name or middle name or whatever was done or how it was styled. They just followed the letters of it. And that was it. 
Now, if somebody wants to get a correction done, which really comes down to its change of assignment, whether, and the way it was looked at, I don't trial here, I has followed this and showed this and stuff as well, but it comes down to assignment. Assignment is who's the holder of it, who's the <coughs> owner of it, okay? Well, one, a DBA will take care of that. And secondly, if you want to get a judicial decree on it, um, and like me, uh, the certificate of live birth, notice I don't say mine because it's not mine, it's for the entity. The certificate of live birth is styled in upper lower case. I can take that in and get a judicial decree that that is the style of the name that I go by and then use that against whatever cause of action in the future. Right. Right. But, and that goes yeah, in line with rescission of elections and all that. You have to do that stuff in order to correct their record. Otherwise, they're still going to presume what's on the record. Right. Everybody's heard of presumption of law. Everything operates under presumption of law. Well, why are they presuming things? They're presuming things because... The rightful owner hasn't come forward and declared his property. And your name is your property. Your person is yep. your property. And so it's all done under presumption because the true owner in interest has not come forward. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> so, so you would say something like that at that general hour, order hour session. It's uh, that, you're, that you're making that claim at that time. Right. You're, well, your your documentation is going to say that. Okay. Yeah, this and that's, and that's, of live birth that supposedly associated with me, because um, I'm probably a fair amount older than you guys, but it is in uh, upper and lower case, and it's part, partly in script, you know, cursive. Kind of interesting. So yours is actually handwritten. Yeah, well, this is this is a uh, yeah, this is a um, white on black copies because that was the technology of the times, and at least at that location in the early fifties. And uh, anyway, I had uh, my folks gave it to me. It had a raised seal you could feel with your and so I just put some chalk on that so it would print. And then uh, I took it to a local notary here. And I said, could you, you know, I made copies of that. And I said, could you put on the back that, you know, this is the accurate copy of the copy. And she said, no, but you've got room around the borders here. And so she put her seal down on the bottom and, and some of the white <clears throat> and signed it. And, and what she wrote, she wrote in blue. So uh, anyway, that's what I've got. And, and when I showed that, when I was stopped one, one time, uh, they let me go. They sat around in their cars to see whether I would pull out or not, which so I took the dog for a walk, came back, and they were gone. But uh, since then, because I still have a 
state ID, which is almost necessary for cash and checks. I mean, I try not to deal in checks, but now I'm getting a check. So anyway, I happen to have that on me. And so we were back in the old game. So I've been trying to well, undo that. One of the things that it kind of cracks me up sometimes <clears throat> is that people will mention, well, I, I refuse to get a state driver's license. I only use, only use an ID. There's really not much difference between the ID and a driver's license. Um, right. That that number that is on the state ID is the same exact number that the driver's license number will be. And the reason why is because that number is for your legal entity. It's for your legal person. Right. Well, and, and I uh, tried to... I tried to many years ago, you know, I I sent a thing off to uh, unregistered mail and all that good stuff, and they received it, and I made cop- cover copies of all that stuff. Um, you know, this license is expired. You know, expired is not defined in the statute. Um, so I gave them some Webster's, you know, for expire. And yet you're maintaining a record, and uh, you know you need to stop doing that. And so anyway, um, that and I and I put uh, I recorded all that at the Quirk and Recorder, and I withdrew I withdrew my voter registration, and I thought there was a record of that in there, and I I did I put something back in the '90s about the name. And they said they didn't have that. And it's like, are you kidding? You know, you can't, you can't depend on the clerk and recorder to keep records. So anyway. So, well, so I'm, invo- I'm involved in a, uh, another matter and I'm trying to figure out some way to keep it from going to trial. Cause I know how, I know how the trial, I've been through a couple. I know I only beat them once in trial. And they've beaten me a few times, so I don't want it to go to trial. What kind of anyway. what kind of ticket is it? No driver's license. Oh, okay. Um, the driver's license is directly re- related to the Social Security number, and the Social Security Administration has this form. It's it doesn't have a form number, but there's a form. And you can research it. You can look up the Numident Record Request for Printout. Now the Numident, yep, N-U-M, yep, N-U-M-I-D-E-N-T. It stands for Numerical Identification, and is the identification system that Social Security Administration uses. And if you look up if you research that, punch that into your search engine, go down your list, and there's going to be one that says a PDF filer. And in the uh, thing there, you're going to see a little orange and gray um, upside down pyramid symbol of some sort. And it's going to say PDF filer. If you click on that link, it'll open up to the Numident, request, uh, Numident record request for uh, printout. And on that, on that form, you're going to see the language. And I'll quote. 
I am the non-resident human being and not the statutory individual to whom the false record pertains. Now, when they bring cool. a uh, now when they bring a driver's license, uh, a traffic citation to court, what they're doing is they're relying on that connection with the social security number. They're they're secure. They're creating securities based on that instrument. And what they've done is they brought a false record to the court, and that's spe specifically in their own record that it's a false record. I'm sorry, sir, but this man across from me, this 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 public trustee that is supposed to know the law has brought a false record to the court, bringing fraud upon the court. Now, if this man thinks that he can prove that the false record is true, please, please do so, because I'd like to see him change the wording on the Social Security um, numinant record request for printout, because it says specifically right there, the numerical identification system that the Social Security Administration is using, which the driver's license uh, number is based upon because I had to present a birth certificate and Social Security app or Social Security card in order to get that is also false. Wow, that's really cool, man. All right, thank you. That, yeah, it's amazing. And, and it's amazing looking at some of the wording they use. Even in the Social Security Act, they refer to it as a scheme. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's funny how they do that, huh? <laughs> yeah, they say the well, Social Security because, scheme. Yeah, it's funny because you know, uh, scheme sounds to us like you know something crooked. But I bet you if you look, uh, in fact, I will. I've got a big old fat Webster's here. There's probably, you know. It's probably a legal process. Scheme. Yeah, meanings of the word scheme that aren't what we commonly think of. That turns out to be yeah. with a lot of words. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I did after months of, you know, using my Black's Fourth, is I was like, you know, I always tell people to go back to the very beginning and look at the very beginning of things. So I grabbed my Black's Fourth and I flipped to the very beginning of it, looked at the very first word, and the very first thing in there was the letter A. And what did the letter A say? The letter A, the definition for it was a hypothetical person. What's hypothetical? Something that's not real. Yeah. So every time they're huh. preceding anything with the letter A, they're referring to something artificial, something that's not real. Yeah, the administrator? Yeah. That's another thing you guys need to realize is um, an administrator is a person. An executor is the man. No state official can be the executor of your estate. Only you can. And it doesn't require identification. It requires facts on the record. And that fact is the distinction between yourself and the juristic person.
Yeah, if anybody calls my phone number, it automatically goes to voicemail. And my voicemail is, thank you for calling the estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard you say that before. I like that. Okay. In fact, it, in fact, it was really funny. Uh, a couple of years ago, I received a letter back from a third-party debt collector in California. And the only time I was ever on California uh, was in the Marine Corps for a few months. And I received a letter from a third-party debt collector on California. Um, and it, it was a letter wishing their condolences. And I was like, oh, they must have called and got my voicemail. <laughs> and, you know, people naturally think they hear a state. They think, oh, somebody died. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, well, guys, I got to get going. I'm yeah, I'm to about ready to run, too. Oh, thanks, Keith. Yeah, yeah, it's been a good night. Um, glad everybody listened in. And uh, spread the word, people. Spread the word. Step up and learn who you are or what you are and who your person is. Because you're a what? You're a verb. You're not a noun. A noun is the name that describes the reality. You are not the name. You are the verb. You are the one that behaves. You are the action in all of life. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next time. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks, Keith. And, you know, that goes hand-in-hand hand with what I say every week. Um, learn who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at, because you've been deceived on all three levels. Those are the biggies right there. All right, everybody. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for your participation. And uh, we'll catch you hopefully next week. I know I've got a couple dates. I think March 7th and 17th are Sundays. And I've got previous obligations. So instead of it being on Sunday, one of those weeks, uh, we will hold the calls on Monday, the next day instead. Um, other than that, thank you, everybody. Appreciate it, and everyone be blessed. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.